everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. We are so happy that you guys are joining us today in our part two of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are they and why do we need them? But Carol, I have to tell you such a funny story. I was getting out of my car to come here and record and this woman and her husband were walking their dog and and I have my backpack on and my water bottle and they say, um, they say, oh, are you home from school now? And I, I just didn't really know what to say. I And I said, oh, I'm not Carol's daughter. I said, I'm working with her. I said, I'm actually a mom and, I, and I'm married. And she said, oh, well, I saw your backpack in your water bottle. So I just assume, mom, but I'm coming up on 30. So I was flattered. <laughs> Mallory, you are so funny. Mallory, well, today she has her hair straightened a little bit. And so you kind of look like my other daughter, but that is the funniest thing. Yeah, I guess we could look. And I don't have makeup on either. So maybe that's it too. With my little backpack and my water bottle, I do look like I'm going to school. And she brought me a specialty iced something? Latte. Latte. A lavender latte. Yes. I am all, you guys, obviously you've known if you listen to this podcast that I love coffee, but I've discovered how to make lavender honey lattes at home. I bought lavender extract on Amazon. That's it. That's what it it's, is. it's amazing. You uh-huh. really need to like sell this. I know. So, I mean, this is incredible. Yeah. Well, I actually was a barista at three different coffee shops. So that's like my lifelong calling. I love, it's like my like we're talking about spiritual gifts here. Like that is one for me. I'm like, that is my gift is to a make people stuff. coffee. Seriously, people come over and I'm like, oh, can I make you a latte, a cappuccino, iced latte? I love it. That's awesome. So anyways, but yeah, so unfortunately I wasn't able to be a part of last week's episode because my little one got sick. She actually got croup. She's okay. She's recovering Aww. now, but yeah, she's just so sweet and tiny, but she's doing okay. <laughs> Um, but Carol did such an amazing job just talking about the ways that the Holy Spirit, how he helps us and you know, that in him with him as our indwelling helper, we actually get the taste now of the life that's to come. And you know, Jesus, he's with us now he's with us through the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but he's able to reach the whole world that way and not just Israel. And so today we're just going to take this a step Further, we're going to be talking about another aspect of him, the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about, you know, that many in the body, what we don't talk about very often, and that's on how he gifts us. And they're exactly that. They're gifts. They can't be earned. They can't be worked for. And unlike fruit, which we can, it, they, you know, it takes, fruit takes a while to cultivate gifts. They come immediately and they're given by God, by his discretion. And they really are so wonderful. And, you know, we must remember that we should use them responsibly. We should use them in humility and that through them, when we use them with the intention of always giving glory to God, that is the point is that we are to use them to give glory to God. So I am so excited about this topic today. This is probably one of my favorite topics. So yeah, just excited. Great. Yeah. And I think about that, Mallory, you know, for such a beautiful aspect of the Holy Spirit, gifts are such a place of controversy. I think one, because I don't know if people really understand why they were given in the first place. So that's something we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, I think people are also told, at least I know I was, that certain gifts are not for today. So some are, but some aren't, which really doesn't make a lot of sense in the Bible, but that's what a lot of people believe. But then you have another issue, which is the argument that some people in the church have abused certain gifts or elevate certain gifts. And so that's a point of contention as well. So there's a lot to talk about today. And I think a great place to start, and I don't know if you'll think this is strange, Mallory, but I was praying about this. And this was a picture God gave me. So I think a great place to start is by giving you all a picture of something that might help tie all of this in together for you. It's a picture of Christ and his church found in what took place during an ancient Jewish wedding. And some of you out there know this because I've taught on it before, but some of you, this might be the first time you're hearing about it. And so I'm going to go through it. 
But there's a part in here that also includes a part about gifts. And so what it is in a Jewish ancient, an ancient Jewish ceremony, is the first thing that would happen, the father would choose a bride for his son. This was very common in those cultures. And for example, Abraham sent his servant to choose a bride for Isaac. That's in Genesis 24, 4. Well, the Holy Spirit, he draws people to Jesus. John 6, 44. Whenever I pray for someone to know Jesus, it says no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. Well, how does the Father draw him? By the Holy Spirit. So the Father draws people through his Spirit. The second thing that happens in an ancient wedding ceremony is the bride has to consent. Well, we saw this with Rebecca when she consented to go with Isaac, Genesis 24, 57. We consent to be with Jesus. As 1 Peter 1, 5 says, having not seen him, we love him. We enter into a relationship even though we've never seen him. That's the, that's the consent we give. The third thing is a price is negotiated for the bride. A bride price raised the status of the bride in ancient days. Well, we were bought at a price, 1 Peter 1, 7. And what does it say? We weren't bought with things such as gold and silver, but we were bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And then you have the marriage contract. They call it a ketubah. And this stated the promises of the groom and then the rights of the bride. Well, we are in what? We are in a covenant with Jesus, and there are promises within this covenant, especially of eternal life, and our job is to remain faithful, right? But then they also did in the ancient ceremony, they would have a glass of wine to seal the contract, debar. It was called a debar. So they would share a glass of wine to confirm the agreement. Well, we drink wine in communion, right? In remembrance of this covenant, Matthew 26, 28. Then you have the betrothal. There was now a legal bond set, even though the couple did not live together yet. Well, what's our position? The church belongs to Christ. Even though we don't live with him yet, we are still his. But this is the part I wanted to get to. The next thing that would happen was gifts would be brought for the bride. The bride would receive gifts as a token of the groom's love during their separation. And what happened in Genesis 24, 53? The servant who Abraham sent to go find a bride for Isaac, what did he bring? Gold, silver, clothing, and he brought gifts for her family, for Rebecca. Well, what happens with us? We are separated right now from Jesus. He's gone to prepare a place. But we have been given gifts now, gifts from the Holy Spirit while we wait also. Then in this ceremony, they do an, an immersing, um, immersing cleansing bath, a mikvah. And when you go to Israel, you see mikvah baths in a lot of their excavations. But this was a symbolic sign of a spiritual cleansing for her husband. And what happens to us? We baptize believers in Christ in water and in the water of the word, right? And then there's the preparation for the wedding chamber. The groom went back to prepare his father's house to prepare the bridal chamber, the hoopah. Well, what has Jesus said in scriptures in John 14 too? Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, right? Do you see how all this is tying together? And then the bride in the ancient ceremony is lifted up at one point and carried away. When the father deems it ready for the son to go get her, then the son comes and he arrives with an escort and with trumpet sounds during the evening to lift up the bride and carry her away. Isn't this quite beautiful? And that is a picture of what will happen to us. Jesus will come in like manner one day to retrieve the rest of the church. And then we have the celebration, which is the wedding. That's when the groom would consummate the marriage. Well, this is when we'll be at the wedding supper of the lamb, which is found in Revelation. So this is such a beautiful picture. And as it pertains to the gifts how blessed are we to receive gifts from the Holy Spirit during our separation from Jesus? Why? Well, because 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Why? So you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. The Holy Spirit has given gifts while we're separated from Jesus 
in order to edify the church. And edifying means the act of building, to build, to promote spiritual growth. And so while Jesus is away, we use these unique gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit to build up the body of Jesus, his church. In other words, to keep each other strengthened, to keep each other encouraged and empowered to endure and overcome until he comes for us one day. So I just love that whole picture. I've taught on it before, and I just felt like it was a great way when I was praying about how to open up. I feel like that was a great picture to maybe open up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, Carol. I loved that so much. You were just so good at knowing the whole Bible as a whole and the whole story. So I love that you brought that to us today. And and each person, they're blessed with different kinds of gifts, and there are different kinds of gifts, but each but the, it's the same spirit that distributes them. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 4. And so there's actually three areas in scripture that mention the gifts of the spirit. And so we see in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, these are the gifts that make up the fivefold ministry. So these are for the church. So we have the prophet, the prophets, the apostles, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. So that's the fivefold ministry that we see in Ephesians there. And then we have, and then we see in Romans 12, three through eight, we have, these are maybe more common that you guys have heard of and are more taught on, but there's the gifts of administration, the gifts of teaching, gifts of prophecy, exhortation, generosity, the gift of leadership, and more found there too. And then we have the nine gifts that are found in first Corinthians 12, seven through 11. And this is where Paul lists nine specific gifts of the spirit. And this is what we're going to go in today in this episode are these gifts. And then there's also, there's however, also some verses that might indicate that God gives spiritual gifts later as well. So both in first Timothy 4, 14, and then second Timothy 1, 6, it refers to a gift that Timothy has received at the time of his ordination by prophecy. So, and this mostly likely indicates that one of the elders at Timothy's ordination, that he spoke about a spiritual gift that Timothy would have that would enable his future ministry. So with that, we have a variety of gifts and they are all needed and they're all helpful. But, you know, for some reason, Carol, we embrace some and then we question others. And the ones that we question or we're not sure about what to do with those ones, those are the ones that seem more supernatural. But, you know, we have no problem with those gifts of administration or giving or encouragement or teaching. But these nine that we're going to talk about, they really seem to stump people and because they're out of our realm of earthly capabilities. And in fact, in some circles, they're called power gifts or miraculous gifts. So we're going to look at these nine and we're going to focus our attention today. And um, we're going to focus our attention on those today. And they're found in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. So I'm going to read them out loud. So it says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one in the same spirit working all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So that's that verse. And so we have these nine gifts that were pointed out. And before we get into all those nine, I think it's really important to point out some things about them before we go on. And at the beginning, there was a, um, at the beginning and the end of these verses, Paul uses that phrase. I'm sure you heard this and caught on. It says to each one, well, to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit. Well, for what? Well, it's for the common good. And then the spirit, he distributes to each one individually. How does he do this? He does it as he wills. And so gifts are exactly that. Like I said before, they're gifts. They're available to all believers, even if they go unrecognized, even if they're not manifesting in your life. And they're not reserved 
for certain denominations, not if, even if you hold the title, a specific title in your church, these gifts are for all believers. And so I want everyone to hear that out there today. This is not just for that one denomination, or like I was saying, this is for you who's listening. So I'm really excited about this topic. I know you are. I I told you guys, Mallory loves talking about the Holy Spirit. I mentioned that in the last episode. You know, I want to point out something you read, Mallory. Paul describes these gifts using a key word, manifestation. You know, exercising spiritual gifts distinguishes the way the Holy Spirit moves in our lives from other ways that he moves. He manifests himself through the gifts. And a lot of people get caught up on that word, but all that means is that he moves in a way that is perceptible by human senses. That is why some people refer to these nine as the supernatural gifts. And when he manifests those gifts out, they are supernatural. You know, the Holy Spirit himself indwelling a believer is invisible, right? He cannot be perceived by the senses. We may know he's there. We may even sense his activity in our life, but outwardly others don't. They can't really perceive that. But through gifts, the Holy Spirit reveals himself through that vessel where he enables gifts to be actively used and then have an impact somewhere in the world. The book of Acts is a great example of this. It showed the church in action. That's key. That's why the book of Acts is different than all the other New Testament Mm -hmm. books, because it shows the church in action. The gifts of the Spirit were on full display. They were manifested. Remember, the Holy Spirit as the indwelling helper He lifts us into a supernatural plane of living. We said that in the last episode, which is why the gifts he gives to believers are exactly that. They're supernatural, meaning the gifts we receive will be on a higher level than our mere human ability. That's key, my friends. That's why some people struggle with the gifts. We want to be in control, but yet the gifts operate higher than ourselves. And so we know that they were given to edify, to edify the church. But why is that important? Because when the church is operating on all cylinders, my friends, in full strength and ability, what happens? Jesus is glorified, like Mallory said. And what happens when Jesus is glorified? God is glorified. Jesus, it says in scripture, everything he does points to the Father. Well, everything the Holy Spirit does is going to point to Jesus. And so at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, giving God the glory. A healthy, strong, active, supernatural church is a force to be reckoned with on the earth because it demonstrates to the rest of the world that Jesus's ministry is different and that it's continuing on a global scale in full power. You know, Ephesians 1 tells us that the church is the fullness of him who fulfills all in all. That's why reading and meditating on the book of Acts is necessary for every Bible study out there. I encourage you, if you're looking for a a book to read for your Bible study, put the books down and take a year and go through the book of Acts slowly, drink it in. So the gifts lift us above the realm of our natural ability as he gives us the ability to do things supernaturally. And some of these things may not seem supernatural to you. For example, maybe the teaching gift doesn't seem supernatural to you, right? Well, that's a gift that's listed both in Ephesians and Romans, but it is supernatural when you use it being led by the spirit. A teacher of a church can easily teach, but is he teaching led by the spirit? For example, 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, and this is one of my favorite verses, and my speech and my preaching We're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's a powerful statement. Many people out there, my friends, are good orators. They're very persuasive, but are they preaching in the demonstration of the spirit and of power? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Mallory and I both know that. And you can say the same thing about gifts of preaching or administration or healing, all of them. 
They're all gifts to glorify God, but they glorify him when we use them being led and directed by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And I was laughing to myself when you said, just put the books down and read through the book of Acts, because I don't think I told you this, but my Bible study, we, we call ourselves a Bible study. I'm like, wait, we haven't even been reading through the Bible, which our books point us to the word. We've done a lot where that go back to the word, but so we're actually starting the book of Acts now. Oh, awesome. I know. And we're reading one chapter at a time. So we're That's all going to get rocked. It's going to be amazing. You are going to get rocked. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, Paul tells the Corinthian church that the testimony of Jesus Christ, that it was confirmed or was strengthened or established among them, and that it was done by the fact that they were not lacking in any gift. So we see that in 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 8. And all believers are to contribute to the common good of the church. And the word says that whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. And we each have something to give to strengthen and to edify the church. And so let's start using these gifts. And let's continue on reading with the nine that we read. And it might help to break them down into three groups of three in order to understand them or just remember them a little bit better. So... First, we have the revelation of the gifts, and what falls under this are a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those are the revelation gifts. Then we have the power gifts, and those include faith, miracles, and healings. And then we have the vocal gifts, which are tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And we're going to go over all those today. So if you are skeptical or we're going to go and just go into the word. So, yep. Yeah, I'm going to start with the word of wisdom. And what this does, this gift does, it gives us right direction. The spirit imparts a word for a specific situation. And then we have the wisdom to know how to respond. And an example of this is found in Acts chapter 15 when there is that council, right? Where they are having a problem with Gentile converts. Well, there's all this dispute going on. And what happens? James gave a word of wisdom in a hard situation. That's in verse 19 and 20 of Acts 15. And he gives this word in the height of all of that. And look at the result it achieved. First, the mind of God was revealed to God's people in that moment. And second, they came to an understanding and the council ended in harmony. It edified the church. It strengthened them spiritually to continue without controversy. That's key. So that's an example of a word of wisdom. How about you take the next one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just have to say, I love the word of wisdom. And I think there is such a promise for wisdom. Um, James 1 5 says, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, if you, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. You guys, this is a promise that is in the word of God. And I cannot tell you how many times, even just in my day, I'm like, Lord, give me wisdom in this situation. And it is supernatural and God gives it. So just to encourage you out there, this is like a daily gift for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So to move on to the word of knowledge. So we see in Acts uh, 4, 34 through 35. So these are the early Christians who they were possessors of lands or houses and they sold them and then they brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and they laid them at the apostles' feet. And from there, they were distributed to each one who had need. But then we see in Acts 5, there was one couple who lied about their proceeds, and the Spirit of God revealed it to Peter. And this was through a word of knowledge. And so the Spirit showed him something that there is no way that he could have known this otherwise. And this couple, their names were Ananias and Sapphira, and they lied about how much their land was sold for. So it was something that was hidden, but then the Holy Spirit revealed it to Peter. And so they were trying to cheat God and the Holy Spirit revealed it. And because of this, they both died. And, but with that, the church was edified and Peter, he continued building on that foundation of Jesus by using this gift to demonstrate to others, to be truthful. And, you know, the Bible says a little leaven, it leavens the whole lump and one lie leads to another, leads to another. And so the Holy Spirit revealed this through that gift, and it was edifying. 
And I love this gift. And um, I've heard a lot of amazing testimonies on the word of knowledge. You can even just look that up on the internet. Um, I love testimonies, but you know, there was, I have a cool story if it's okay to share. Um, I love your story. So my husband and I were a part of this ministry. It was a young adults ministry down in Denver and we met every Thursday night. It was so powerful. It's still going and there was amazing healings and, um, salvations that were going on. Well, my husband and I were on the prayer team and what we would do is after the service, we would just stand up at the front and they'd say, if anyone wants prayer, come up to the front and get prayer. And so a friend of mine, we were standing next to each other and we were kind of teaming up on this and this guy comes up and he's sharing what he wants prayer for. And, you know, he actually had a crazy life. He just, he just got out of prison and was really giving his life to the Lord and in the process of turning his life around. And so at the end, when he was sharing, I said, okay, just to confirm, this is what you want prayer for. And then I said, and what did you say about your shoulder? And he said, oh, I didn't say anything about my shoulder. And the girl who was next to me said, no, he didn't say anything. And so I said, oh, I thought you did. He said, well, I've actually been going to PT almost every day and I'm going to need shoulder surgery next week. Um, he's like, I probably should have asked for prayer for that. I think he said that, you know, um, and so he's like, that's crazy that you heard that. I, so I don't know what happened. The Holy Spirit changed the words or just dropped something in my spirit that I knew that he needed prayer for that. And we prayed for him and he got healed and it that's was awesome. amazing. And yeah. so that was a word of knowledge for healing. And so word of knowledge, you know, and in that scenario with Sapphira and Ananias, that was for, to, for truth to be. And so the word of knowledge, it's so broad. It's what needs to yes. be released. So mm-hmm. that was a pretty cool time. <laughs> it's that's, I love your stories. You have the best <laughs> stories anyway, but you know, it's so good. I mean, it, he's supernatural. I mean, yeah. God is supernatural. So I don't know why we, mm-hmm. why we are so intimidated by it, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's so fun when you are in those moments mm-hmm. and you see the Holy spirit touch someone like that. That's just awesome. I love that. Yeah. Well, the next one is discerning of spirits, and this is the ability to identify, recognize, and distinguish between different kinds of spirits that confront us. You know, we need to remember, my friends, that Christian ministry is a ministry in the spiritual realm. We are spirit beings. For some reason, we tend to forget that. Don't forget Ephesians 6. You know, first, we need those with this gift. Why do we need them? Because this gift, they are able to handle the spiritual enemy. Because what happens with people with this gifting, this gift lifts the veil that covers the unseen spiritual realm. And what it does, it protects us from deception in the church. So we need people with this gift for many reasons, but one in particular is to help see deception. Don't think the enemy doesn't have his plants in churches around the world. Of course he does. So you need people with this gifting that's going to pick up on this type of covert activity. But how else is it helpful? Because I know this is one of the gifts I have. Mm-hmm. Is It's helpful because it allows us to help people within the church to be set free from strongholds because we can discern the root of their struggle. I can't explain it. That's why I was on a prayer ministry, a specific prayer team for these types of things for a long time because... Being someone who has this gifting, you can be sitting with someone in prayer or in other situations and you can't explain it, but you can tell right away what it is that is, is the root of everything else that's manifesting out. Um, this gift also helps recognize whether it's the Holy Spirit at work, uh, in an environment or whether man's spirit is at work or whether man's flesh is at work, but we can really try to discern true motives as the Holy Spirit gives, um, in order to have divine insights into things. And so a person with this gift can discern the motivation behind actions. I mean, it's, it's strange to say, and it might be strange for you to hear, but for example, when I was younger, I could always pick up on different things spiritually going on around, just walking into a room, um, understanding different things about people, um, from just like, you know, you pick up on different people might call it vibes or whatever, Mm -hmm. but what happens when you become a believer and this, this gift is then given to you or like really enhanced, I feel like, like a plug goes into a wall the moment Mm -hmm. 
this gift just really came upon me. And all those things that I had before where I was able to pick up on things, it was like electrified. So now I can even be on an airplane descending into a city and can already kind of know the principality or the power that is at work in that city. I, I can't explain it, but that's just what it is. I'm probably not explaining it well. But, but what I'm trying to say is that people with this gift, they can tune into quite a lot going on around them. And sometimes people with this gift may appear as if they're judging people, but in actuality, they're not. They're just trying to perceive the spiritual activity going on around them and then trying to discern what type of activity is at work and what to do about it. And so this type of gift, it's needed so much in the church and it's needed in prayer ministries. It's even needed in church leadership. Because I'm telling you, the people in church leadership, those in authority are a target of the enemy. And if you don't have any very discerning people on your leadership team, I'm telling you, it's amazing to me sometimes when I can pick up on things and I look at the person next to me, they have no idea what I'm even talking about. You've got to have people who can discern what's going on, especially in leadership. So this edifies the church by revealing deception. And it also exposes enemy assignments. But it also makes sure that the motives going on in a church are pure. Mm -hmm. That's so good. You did such a good job explaining that. Because I think that gift of discernment can be kind of obscure. And I like that you said that the vibes, Mm -hmm. like people who aren't in God can use other language for it. And it's Mm -hmm. gifts that God already put in them Mm -hmm. and those Mm -hmm. vibes. So that's so interesting. So we're going to move on to the power gifts. And we're going to talk about the gift of faith first. So there are different forms of faith. You know, there's faith to live by or faith that's a result of the fruit of the spirit, which we see is um, in Galatians 5. But then there's also the gift of faith. And this gift, it's a supernatural impartation that accomplishes God's purpose in a certain situation. And so the type of faith that's needed to propel things forward, especially when fear is being elevated over faith, And, you know, faith to stand for righteousness. And Noah had the faith needed to build the ark. And then Abraham had the faith to bring him out of Ur. And faith brings things back to certainty and to hope. And this edifies the church, especially in times when people's faith, when it's waning. And you need people to exercise this gift and to keep people to move forward towards that finish line. So that's the gift of faith. Okay, now we're going to talk about miracles, which is another power gift. And I mean, we see Jesus do so many miracles in the Bible, such as, you know, the one where he turned water into wine or when he fed the 5,000 from just a few fish and loaves of bread. Or what about when the apostles, when they would raise someone from the dead? You know, there are stories like this coming from all parts of the world. And even though they're not being reported on mainstream media or they're not being spoken about in some churches, You guys, this is happening all around the world. And I want to share a quick little thing. When COVID happened, I realized that I really needed to clean up my social media, my any media I needed to um, filter out. And I feel like this is for someone out here. You are listening to the news. You are listening to all these things that is doom, doom, doom. But you guys, people are being healed, saved, delivered. There are things happening all around the church, and the church is rising up. The global church. And it says that in the last days, there's going to be bad things happening, but it is going to be the power of God that is going to be revealed around the earth. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage you out there to clean up your media, find some pages. Um, I follow Youth with a Mission on um, Instagram. They have testimonies all the time. Um, I can't think of any right now if you have some, but um, just to encourage yourself in these miracles. So I'm going to move on, but I just wanted to say that. And okay, so in the Bible, you know, we read about the city of Samaria and a group of people who they were half Jews and then also half Gentiles. And Philip came preaching to them and he was telling them about Christ and crowds. They were listening so intently on what he had to say because of the miracles that he did. And there were many evil spirits that were cast out. They were actually screaming as they left their victims. And many who were paralyzed and lame, they were healed. And so because of that, there was so much joy in this city. And then we find that there is a man, we read that there's a man named Simon, and he was actually formerly a sorcerer. And in this place, he was a very influential man. 
And the people of Samaria, they claim that he really was someone great because he astonished them with the sorceries for a long time. And many in this city, they were actually turned, they turned and believed in Jesus Christ. And even Simon himself, the sorcerer, he was baptized and he began following Philip wherever he went because he was amazed by these miracles and the signs and wonders that he had done. And so because of this, this edifies the church because when these gifts are in operation, even the biggest skeptic out there, they can become a believer when they witness a miracle. They cannot deny the power of God and it builds up the church and it promotes spiritual growth. And because of this, we see the kingdom of God exercising his power in miraculous ways on the earth. So that was the gift of miracles. Yeah. yeah. You know, can I say something about that really quick? You know, keep in mind when the um, Antichrist comes, when it says that the lawless one comes, I believe it's in Thessalonians, it says he's going to come in power, signs, and lying wonders. Mm. Friends, we want the church to exercise miraculous spiritual gifts because I'm going to tell you what. When someone like that comes on the scene in the environments around us and they're going to be operating in a counterfeit, guess what? People in the church are going to believe the counterfeit and not the real. We want this exercise because at least I do. I don't operate in miracles or anything like that at the, at the moment, but... But I'm going to tell you when that happens, look at look at what's happening on the earth right now. The rise of witchcraft, the rise of people seeking out shamans. People are already seeking out the supernatural in order to get healed. They're going to Reiki. They're going to all kinds of things, but they're not seeking out the church, are they? Mm -hmm. You know, when I went to Africa, I learned something really profound. They love having Christian missionaries there. They love having people there, but guess what? When they need healed, guess where they go? The witch doctor because of quote power because they don't see the power in the church. Well, I'm just, I'm just putting it out there because that power is going to be evident on the earth. And you know what? We're going to come back down to that whole entire power struggle that we had with Moses and also Jeanne and Jambres when he was before Pharaoh, right? It's not going to be all about this or that. It's going to be about who has the bigger stick. That's what it's going to come down to. Mm-hmm. I just had to say that. Oh, so good. I'm so glad you said that. Um, it's like kind of hard to follow that. I'm like, okay, yeah, that was really good. No, I just, it was like bubbling up. No, it's so good. Maybe that's that word of wisdom. It is that word of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the next power uh, gift that we're going to talk about is healings. And so healing, it's the healing of God that's channeled through a person who ministers this gift and it's into the body of the one who's sick. And the person who's praying for healing, they're coming against sickness and they're dealing with it and then they're replacing it with health. And if you are to study Jesus' ministry, you could say, you would say that a third of his time, it was spent healing the sick and it was spent healing, uh, casting out demons. And so if that was his will then, and he spent so much time doing it then, then we have to believe that it is still his will today. And so Luke 440 says at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had very, who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Jesus never turned away a sick person and the power of God flowed through the hands of Jesus to the sick person. And this healing power is so evident to those who were closest to Jesus, to Paul and to Peter And this edifies the church today. Healings are still happening out there, you guys. Even if you don't see it in your church, it's happening around your city. And if it's not happening in your church, there are other churches who are rising up and raising up the saints to operate in these these, um, miracles and, and in these gifts. And I have to say too, I, we need to share this in another episode, but I was radically healed. And that is my testimony. Mm -hmm. And to hear people's reaction to that story of healing of even Christians, Oh, you were healed and skepticism that comes from the power of my testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with, there are so many out there who are sick and when we pray for healing and it happens, this builds us up and it keeps us going. It keeps us to fighting the good fight and to press on. And the Western church, we often think that these gifts that they're not being demonstrated here and they're not in operation anywhere else. 
But this is not true, like we said, and believers all over the world are experiencing, they're experiencing the healing power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so I even encourage you now, if you're like, I don't see it, go search for those testimonies. I love just Mm -hmm. looking up testimonies and um, just to share another one. And, And this is, you know, what I said, this is not me. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the woman who baptized me, she, um, was also a prophet. She was prophetic. And she said that I was given the gift of healing. And so I've seen that in my life and just praying for people in my own life and just praying for headaches to be gone and as simple as that. And, um, yeah, so, but I just want to share this story. One time I was at Tokyo Joe's and <laughs> um, my husband's favorite restaurant. <laughs> I do, it's not my favorite, but anyways, um, we're about to leave and this guy is standing outside. He was a worker there and he's just smoking a cigarette and he's got a knee brace on his knee and I was about to leave and I just really felt impressed in my heart. Go talk to him and ask for if he wants prayer. And so, you know, of course, I am like, no, Lord. I'm like, <laughs> why am I so disobedient in those times? But um, I just felt like I couldn't leave there without asking him for a prayer. So I just casually went up to him. I didn't make it weird. I just said, hey, what happened to your knee? And, you know, he just opened up and started telling me, you know, he talked for a few minutes. And and then at the end, I said, hey, I've seen so many people healed by the power of Jesus. And do you know what? I can lay hands on you and just ask God to heal you. Do you want that? And he said, yeah, I did not make it weird. You guys, we do not have to make this weird. I think I kept my eyes open too. I just said in Jesus name, be healed. And do you know what? That guy was radically healed. That guy or God moved through me. I am just a clay broken vessel. And that's what we're talking about is there's Mm -hmm. humility that goes along with it. Like I'm not sharing this of like, Oh, look at me. I'm sharing this of oh, look at Jesus and me, a broken person, just saying, yes, Lord, I will pray for that person. And so, and we're talking about getting people's attention and signs and wonders. When I prayed for this guy, I had his attention. And so do you know what? I just started prophesying over him. I just started speaking life over him and the destiny that God had over his life. And at the end of the conversation, he said, you know, I think I'm going to go get myself a Bible. And this guy was changed from this moment. He was totally healed. And so that is the power of healing. It's not to be crazy. It's, it's to point to Jesus and to glorify to Jesus. And it was because of that healing that that guy might now might be saved. I know. That's awesome. Well, and I think that's it. You know, we just step out in faith. Someone once said, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. It's not about us. We just step out. And most times you're just offering to pray for someone, but it's through that prayer. Like the guy at Goodwill that time. Did I ever tell you that story? No. (laughs) I, I intentionally was finding stuff in my house to constantly give to Goodwill because I was trying to um, plant seeds with this Russian guy that worked there and he was so awesome anyway one day I said you know can I pray for you and he was like well okay and I said can I just put my hand on your shoulder while I pray for you and he goes okay he was kind of like whatever I just prayed like nothing fancy you know just a prayer like 30 seconds whatever I don't even know anyway and I finished and I was like, well, have a good day. And he goes, wait. He goes, I feel something. <laughs> and then that started a conversation. But he felt the power of God wow. just through prayer. And that's what this is all about. Well, our next one is a big one. This is vocal gifts. And we're sorry this is running a little long, guys. But there's just so much to talk about. And we, you know, if if you don't have time for the whole thing today, then listen to part two tomorrow or listen to the second part tomorrow. But now we start into the vocal gifts. And this is one I think that most people have a hard time with. So I'm just going to read something really quick out of Mark chapter 16, verses 17 to 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So that was in the gospels signs that follow those that believe. That means anybody that believes. Mm. This is definitely the most controversial of all gifts is the gift of tongues. And people throughout the body of Christ in the West mainly are told to steer clear, right? So let's look at this one a bit. And in the language from the New Testament, that word tongues also means language. 
So you can call it the gift of tongues or you can call it the gift of language. But let me repeat something Mallory said. You can go to other countries to minister and you discover that the gifts are in full operation unapologetically. They just believe and they use them and they need them. Some places, you guys, like I said, are coming against witch doctors. They're coming against shamans. They're coming against communist governments. Some of them are coming against AIDS. They're coming against famine, poverty. So much is facing other people in the church. And so they use everything the Holy Spirit gives them to keep themselves edified. They keep themselves built up and strengthened by the gifts. And that includes speaking in tongues. When you go to some of these other places, you experience that. I have heard this language used before, even before I became a Christian. I, I know people and have people in my life that regularly pray in the spirit. That's what a lot of people call it. But then I also heard it a lot afterwards. So I'm not afraid of it. I always thought it was interesting. And sometimes when I would be praying with people, I'd have one eyeball open looking at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was like, what are they doing? But who am I to question God? You know what I'm saying? Like, who am I? And so I'm not afraid of it. Maybe because the people I know who spoke in it and speak in it, they do so in a manner that is very reverential and prayerful. So it wasn't on display for the world to see, right? It was very private. It was very holy to them. It's very powerful. And I also saw it bring breakthrough. I even worked with other believers at a large church. I'm not going to say which one, several actually, couple actually, who secretly spoke in it, which is kind of sad. They didn't want others to know. So whether you realize this or not, this gift is in operation all around you. So let's try to understand it better. You know, the one thing I like to point out is the first time tongues or languages was actually given in your Bible was at the Tower of Babel, right? Genesis 11, where there was a group of mankind that was filled with pride and they wanted to build a tower to the heavens to exalt themselves. And you've got the Godhead. This is so funny just listening to the conversation going on from the Godhead. Like, well, let us go down there and let's see what they're doing, you know. And they confuse their language. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Confusing the language I thought was a brilliant way of dealing with man's pride at the time. And so they, they, there was a gift of tongues. Only this one divided people away from each other so they wouldn't exalt themselves. And then the next time we hear of a language being poured out in the Bible was again now at the feast, was one of the feasts of the Lord known as Shavuot or Pentecost. And this is a feast that takes place every year, 50 days after Passover. And so let's remember that throughout the Bible, um, the tongue is mentioned as a problem member of the body. But yet God gave two incredible demonstrations in scripture as to how he dealt with the tongue. So let's, let's talk about the tongue for a minute. From it, we know it can come blessings and curses, right? And it's referred to actually as a difficult member of the body to tame. So even though the tongue is small, scripture says it's powerful. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when we speak, we reveal what's in our heart. Well, the tongue helps us to speak. Proverbs 18.21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits, right? We can, we can criticize or cuss someone out in one breath and then go to church and be trying to praise Jesus in the next, right? You could have road rage on your way to church. Mm-hmm. James 3.8, but no human being can tame the tongue. Remember that line, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And James 3, 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. I mean, we're talking about a little tiny thing on your body can do so much damage, but we've seen that. We see that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mallory just pointed out, 
look at the stuff we're listening to. Look at the look at the music that's coming out through someone's tongue. Look at the tongues and the the things that are being said in a protest. I mean, it's just vile, yeah. vile things. So then, if that's the case, what is our tongue given to us for? Of course, to help us eat, but what else? Our mouth, our tongue, our speech is given to bless and glorify God. The angels in heaven never stop praising him. Scripture says God inhabits the praises of his people. So we're to be praising him. The Psalms are filled with praises to God. We are to praise him, singing hymns and spiritual songs to him, Scripture says. We are to give thanks to him for he is good. We are to speak his word and read his word out loud. This is all scriptural. Scripture says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And it also says that if he won't get praise from us, he'll get it from the rocks. So even the rocks will cry out to him. And most of us in the church, we struggle with praise, with this kind of praise. Mm -hmm. Go into a worship service and look at how people worship. Half the people aren't even singing. Mm -hmm. Well, during Pentecost, one of the gifts poured out at that time was a vocal gift, the gift of tongues, the gift of languages. And it came to everyone in that upper room, not a choice few. And it was such an outward manifestation that I got the attention of visitors in Jerusalem. And you have to understand there's three times a year where people will travel to Jerusalem at this time for pilgrimage feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles. So you're talking tens of thousands and thousands of people going into Jerusalem three times a year. Well, this was one of them. And so you've got all these people, these visitors there. And Acts 2.11 says, we, the visitors in Jerusalem, they all of a sudden hear this group of people that had been meeting in this upper room, speaking in all these languages, right? Because what happened? The big, mighty rushing wind came. The fire settled on the heads of these people, right? Jesus baptizes people in the Holy Spirit and in fire, right? He is a consuming fire. He is immersing them. That word baptize means immerse. He is coming upon them. He's immersing them in himself. He is the fire. He is the spirit. He is that breath of God, that Ruach HaKodesh. And these people say, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. The people in the upper room, the believers were speaking in a language they were not trained in, but they were speaking the wonderful works of God. No one was speaking of the devil. No one was speaking gibberish. They were all speaking the wonderful works of God and people could interpret it as such that were around them. And how many were in the upper room at Pentecost? 120. And all were speaking the wonderful works of God in various languages, even though they had no idea what they were saying. Isn't it just like God to give believers a gift like that? The ability to speak in a language where he will be praised Mm -hmm. day and night. A language that tames the tongue. What did James say? No human being can tame the tongue. That's right. But God can. In a way that only he can. See, in Babel you had pride and confusion. But now he poured out tongues as a gift to praise him. What does Psalm 139 say? Before a word is even on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it all together. Well, boy, does he ever. So the people in Jerusalem were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Well, this edified the church. This strengthened the church immediately as it set the stage for Peter's bold message to the people. He had their attention. And in Acts 10, 45 and 46, it says, Those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and what? Magnify God. So here again, the tongues are magnifying God. And so it's confirmed. You know, and in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul calls it varieties of tongues or kinds of tongues. And, you know, I was looking this up, Mallory. According to the World Atlas, there are today 7,100 different languages in the world. 
not to mention all the different dialects that adds to that number, not to mention ancient languages that are no more in operation, right? So why wouldn't God give a variety of tongues to people? Why not, right? And it doesn't mean if somebody speaks in it that somebody right next to them is going to know exactly what they're saying. But scripture also shows that there were different uses or purposes for the tongues. First of all, it was a personal direct communication to God, 1 Corinthians 14. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So it's a form of communication to God, and it's a mystery. And then he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. The person speaking in a tongue is building himself up spiritually. Remember what we said edify means. He's strengthening and promoting spiritual growth. So tongues strengthens the inner man of a believer. That's why tongues also, I believe, has a huge focus on prayer. A lot of intercessors speak and pray in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding isn't fruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, but I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. Paul indicates that there is more than one way of praying. Some of us pray with the mind, and that's good, and that's okay. But some people pray in the spirit, my friends, and that's okay too. Sometimes people pray in tongues, and sometimes they pray with their mind, or they pray the word, or they pray however God shows them to pray, right? And that's what Paul's saying here. So, so good. Oh my goodness, I love that. I think that tongues can be just so obscure, but that is just such a faith booster that it's in the Bible and it's for now and it's for today and what a gift it is. And so then we have another um, gift is the interpretation of tongues and interpretation. It's given by the Holy spirit to present in a known language, previously something that was spoken in an unknown language. And so this is a tongue that is spoken when it's in an assembly, when it's in a group of people, when there's a word for the church and when it's spoken out loud and in it, that environment, there needs to be an interpretation. And so someone there, they'll have that gift of interpretation and they'll know what's being said. And from there, they'll be able to relay that message to the body. And so that, as Paul says, it's the church may receive the edification, the building up, the spiritual growth. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, and then also verses 12 and 13. That God gives a message to one and another the interpretation, and he's promoting the interdependence of the body, which is edifying, and it builds us up to rely on each other through him, and it also shows people that God is sovereign. He can bypass our own intellect, our own human understanding to bring this message to his church, and after all, it is his church. And then in these passages, there's something to note that the tongues, it's a sign to unbelievers. We see in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, it says, you know, so then tongues are for, so then tongues are for sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. And this was demonstrated by Peter in the books of Acts, which we've already mentioned before. And so with all this, it's just important to remember, you know, that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, it says, even so you since you are zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church, the building up of that you seek to excel. And so with this, the bottom line is that the church, we are to be built up by these gifts. We're to excel at that. And so don't receive a gift of the spirit and exalt it over yourself and make, make it think, and it makes you think that you're better than someone else, that is not the point, and that's not what it's about. The gifts, they're for him, and everything is for him. And so the last gift we're going to talk about is prophecy. And prophecy, really, it's the ability to speak for the Holy Spirit, to speak through a believer, to speak forth words that come from God. And they have the ability to discern, to reveal, and to deliver God's truth to a person or to a group or, or to a group of people. 
And it's not from this person's own wisdom. It's not from their own intellect or their own understanding. We have to know that. But something revealed, it's something that's revealed from the Holy Spirit. And prophecy, you know, a lot of us know it as future telling, but that's not always what it's about. Many people uh, picture prophecy as telling the future, like I said, and since that seemed to be the case with the Old Testament prophets, we see that. But prophecy, it's really about receiving a word that God has given and then having the courage to deliver it because a lot of times that word, it can be really strong. It can be really direct. And so a believer, they can become a channel for the counsel of God and of the purposes of God, which are given in words that come from God and not from ourselves. And it's given supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And scripture says all believers can prophesy. And 1 Corinthians says, uh, 14.31 says that we all have the ability to be a prophetic voice. And so why is the gift of prophecy given? Scripture says that it's given for the edification, the exhortation, the consultation, which is also comfort. And so it's given to build up. It's given to stir up and cheer up God's people and his church. And, you know, people, for some reason, they think that prophecy, it's some, um, sorry, one second. So people with this gift, they can warn the body, they can encourage the body, and they can also comfort the body. And John the Baptist, he exhorted the people to repent. Remember that? And it was a strong message for the people to get ready for Jesus. It was a prophetic word that was given. It was an exhortation. And it was intended to edify, edify, and it was intended to strengthen the people for the quote unquote different they were about to encounter. And so one way to test the prophecy, to test prophecies is to ask yourself, how is this edifying to the church? Yeah. And really quick, because I know we've run long on this, but there's a story in Acts 21 that talks about a prophet actually named Agabus. And he strengthened Paul, but it was not quite the way maybe you thought he would strengthen Paul. He was a prophet from Judea, and he actually warned Paul that if he went to Jerusalem, he was facing danger. And so the people that were with Paul didn't want him to go, and they were trying to encourage him, oh my gosh, don't go, don't go. But Paul's like, no, I'm ready to go. But at least Paul now knew that he was going to face something when he went to Jerusalem. And I think sometimes when a strong message is given, especially a true prophetic message that is a warning to the church— the church won't take it as edification, as a strengthening. They want an easy way out. Well, you know, sometimes that warning comes in order to help strengthen us and help prepare us. I'm sure it helped prepare Paul and strengthen Paul before he went to Jerusalem and face whatever it is he was facing. And so we tend to think that prophecy is always meant to make us feel good. It builds, mm-hmm. you know, all that. It promotes all that. But we got to remember that the core thing that God is trying to do is edify his church to get us to grow spiritually. And we don't need to know the future to build, you know, we don't need to know the future to build as a church body, but you know, we do need prophecy to grow spiritually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's why scripture, it does say that all prophetic utterances are to be subject to judgment. So that means that they all prophetics, words must be tested and let two or three prophets speak and let other prophets pass judgment. And first Corinthians 14, 29 says, let them determine whether these utterances are from God. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. You can keep, keep okay, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then first Thessalonians five nineteen twenty one says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good test all prophecies. So how are we to judge or to test these prophecies? Well, there's a few ways. So first, does the prophecy, does it glorify Jesus and does it glorify the Father? And that is the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit. So that is key. Second, does it align with scripture? Third, does the prophecy, does it edify God's people? And if the prophecy, if it doesn't strengthen, if it doesn't build up, or if it doesn't encourage God's people, that is not a word of the Lord. And also don't forget that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 
And also, um, we're going into these, especially with the testing. You know, we did an episode on prophecy that I think was so interesting on it. And it's called, so I would encourage you if you're interested more in this topic, we called it, what is the role of a prophet and why prophecy? So if you want to dig into that topic a bit more, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Yeah. You know, wrapping up today, there are many believers experiencing these gifts and when they are used correctly, they are quite beautiful, a beautiful addition to the Christian experience. And there are those who do say they are not for today. I, um, I heard that probably the first 15 years of my Christian walk. And they get that off of 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10 that says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Well, these things are still here today. So if you haven't experienced them, it's okay. Just know that they are here and knowledge is still here today. We were just in a Bible study where even our pastor was like, well, knowledge is still here. So these gifts must still be here. So we're going to let you wrestle through that on your own. I'm not going to tell you what to believe or what not to believe, but just sit with the Holy Spirit. Because the other thing I want to say is this before we end, sadly, like the many things God intended as good, gifts can be and have been abused by well-meaning brothers and sisters in the church. Not only that, counterfeit movements have also sought to diminish the wonderful giftings of God at work within his church. But this is happening in, in multiple ways. If I were to judge pastors, for example, on the immoral failures happening within the church body, I would never go to church or trust my current pastor. If I were to judge the overall church by the wealth, greed, and financial abuses that are within the church, and there are many abuses in that area, I would never attend a church. If all churches actually operated in the gifts of the fivefold ministry as stated in Ephesians, we would have a balanced church system, not one or two men trying to be everything to everyone, right? So there are, there are things the church has to work on in every area. So we as a church, we are fraught with different dangers, aside from the gifts of the Spirit, which are actually a beautiful addition. Friends, we are just supposed to be a force upon the earth that the gates of hell will not prevail against, right? Well, in my mind, we need all the help we can get. We need to stay the course. We need to be strengthened every single day until it's time for our bridegroom to come and call us home to him, right? So we want to encourage you to pray for a few specific things after this episode. Number one, ask the spirit of truth to show you truth. Don't take our word for it ever. Always test it by the word of God. Number two, ask him if you really want to discover these gifts. Ask the Holy Spirit for all that he has for you. Start praying that. And number three, pray for wisdom and understanding on this whole matter. If anybody is going to show you the truth in this, it will be the Lord. And he will give you wisdom, uh, not sparingly, but liberally. And then just yield. Mm -hmm. So good, Carol. What a beautiful way just to end that out and to encourage all of us. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or any topics that you guys want us to talk about, you guys can reach out to us at preparetheway at jcmcolorado.com. Thanks for listening. Bye, you guys. Take care. Thank you.